Our gospel reading this morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 12 through 17. Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he cured them. But when the chief priest and the scribes saw the amazing things that he did and heard the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became angry. And they said to him, do you hear what they are saying? Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise for yourself? He left them, went out of the city to Bethany, and he spent the night there. And this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So to begin this morning, if you are at home, I invite you to find a sheet of paper that you can write on or to pull out your phone to your note app. Or if you prefer, you can just answer these questions in your head. But I'll give you just a second to get those things. And I'm going to invite you to answer two questions about worship. The first is, what does worship mean to you personally? I'll invite you to think about that for a moment and to jot it down if you can. And the second question is, why is worship important? So you can continue thinking about those questions and your answers, um, but just have that kind of near you as we continue throughout the service this morning. So this morning, we are beginning a new sermon series called Heart of Worship. And this is based off of a song that came out in 1999 by author and singer Matt Redman. And he wrote this song after a season of apathy in his home church in England. It wasn't that there was anything wrong with the services, there was nothing anyone could pinpoint, but after a while, things just started to feel like, well, like there was just something missing in their worship services. So in the midst of their struggle to find meaning and intimacy in those worship services, their pastor took an unconventional approach and he stripped away everything. I'm talking the musicians, the sound system, the screens, any extra pieces that they had for worship. And so Redmond, the person who ended up writing this song, said initially it was very uncomfortable because after the pastor had stripped everything away, they were left with just the people in the room, just themselves coming into the space and their voices used to worship God. But then eventually something amazing happened in their vulnerability and kind of sitting in that strange tension, they were able to reconnect to God in a new way. People began to sing out in the acapella nature and people began to pray and worship in these new and authentic ways. And after a while, they reinstituted the musicians and the screens and the sound system, but they had a renewed sense of what worship is all about. So from that experience of having everything stripped down, Matt Redman wrote these words to the song, Heart of Worship. It says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. 
It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. The season that we are in has provided us with the opportunity to consider and challenge the way that we think about worship here. Unlike Matt Redman and his church, one of us, our pastors, did not choose for this to happen. We didn't choose for all of our sense of normalcy in church and corporate worship to be stripped away, but that's where we found ourselves in. And so even as we are kind of disoriented in our worship habits, we do have an opportunity as things have been simplified, as we've had to be stretched and changed to consider what worship means to us as individuals and as a community of faith. So while we continue to hang in this liminal balance between fully back in person and virtual, and we're not even really sure what's going on, we can use this opportunity to ask ourselves, do our Sunday morning worship experiences here lead you to glorify God through worship? Are there aspects in the speaking and the music and the visual elements that you see in the space that serve as a barrier to true worship for you? And how can we enhance everything we do, not just on Sunday mornings, but in our lives, to lead people to worship God in spirit and in truth. You'll notice this morning that our altar is totally stripped down. And again, that is just so we are taking away all barriers to really consider what is at the heart of our worship here in this season. So what is worship at its core? Worship is the act of praising and glorifying God for being God. It's just that simple and it's just that complicated all at the same time because as humans, it's really hard for us to just worship God for being God. A lot of times we associate the word worship with these Sunday morning worship times. And of course it is, but worship is also supposed to be a lifestyle for us who follow after the example of Christ. It should be a part of our everyday existence through our words and actions. The Bible has a lot to say about worship. In Exodus, God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. God desires our full worship and full adoration. In the Joshua 6 passage that Sterling read for us earlier, we see that because of the Israelites' obedience and worship to doing this strange thing, marching around the walls of Jericho for seven days, that the power of God was able to crumble those walls, leading them into the promised land. God honors our obedience and our worship. The Psalms are full of worship, telling us how to worship and why we should worship. Psalm 99 that we read this morning says, extol the Lord, worship at his footstool. God desires humility in worship. Paul urges the church in Rome, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Worship, again, is about more than what we say, it's about what we do. In John 4, Jesus says, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
True worship should flow from our innermost being as we seek to glorify God. And then, of course, we have our gospel lesson for this morning. And it's after Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He's come in on a donkey, and people are shouting Hosanna and laying down their cloaks on the ground, waving palm branches and laying those on the ground to create a road for him. And then Jesus enters the temple. And when he does, he sees these people buying and selling and exchanging money, and he kind of freaks out. And he begins to overturn the tables in the temple, driving people out. And this event is striking because it seems a little unlike Jesus to come into a holy and sacred space and to cause such a ruckus. But we know that Jesus cares deeply about justice and true worship, both of which are on the line in this story. When Jesus speaks, he quotes the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah as he says, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. This text is such a gift for us in this strange, strange season. This text reminds us that the church is supposed to be the house of God, a house of prayer, a house of worship. And this is not something that's optional for Jesus. This central point that worship is about God, it's about prayer, it's about strengthening our relationship with God as we glorify God through these experiences, that is what's at the heart of worship. And when we lose sight of that, of that central point of worship, what worship is all about, in the midst of our traditions or routines or habits in this space, we run the risk of Jesus coming in and flipping our tables as well. Author Simon Sinek wrote the book, Start With Why, and though it's not a religious book, he gives compelling points about how all organizations, even churches, can be thriving and inspiring to others. So in the book, he argues that it doesn't matter what you do, it matters why you do it. And he uses this idea dubbed the golden circle to help individuals and groups consider their why. So starting with the outside circle, he says that all individuals, groups, and organizations know what they do at a basic level. He then says that some individuals and groups know how they do it in that next inner circle. But he says very few people or organizations know why they do what they do. What is the purpose of your organization? What is the cause? What is the belief? Why does it exist? Why do you get out of bed in the morning? And why should anyone care about what or how you do it? Sinek claims that inspired organizations all think, act, and communicate from the inside out. They start with the why and build out to the how and the what. I see such a direct correlation for us as we're thinking about worship and trying to understand what it means to truly worship in spirit and in truth. So we even have a mission statement at the church in the United Methodist Church. And our mission statement is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. That is what we do as a church. That is our mission. And we know how we do it. We gather for corporate worship, for Bible studies, for Sunday school, for prayer, for missions and outreach, for fellowship. And through all of these actions, 
We hope and pray that people will be led to know and love God and worship on their own accord. But do we know why we do it? Again, getting back to the core, why do we do any of this stuff? When we gather for this corporate worship, do we know why we pray out loud? Why we recite ancient creeds together? Why we currently are yearning to sing out as a congregation? Why do we come week after week to hear Holy Scripture read? Why do we partake in Holy Communion? Why do we do what we do in these worship services? On our very best day, our why to all of those things should be because God is worthy of worship. Worship is a means of grace. And when we worship, we are growing in our holiness and becoming more like Christ. It's spiritual growth, spiritual nourishment. Worship is essential and necessary for our spiritual growth. And it's really amazing because although worship is all about God, by the grace of God, we actually change and are transformed through that glorifying God, through the act of worship. So we utilize all of the gifts God has given us through worship, things like scripture and prayer, creeds, tithing, songs, and the fellowship of believers. But our why, our focus, and all of those things should be centered on God alone. At the heart, worship is about God and not about us. It's not about the music or the sermons or the leadership or the people you see week after week in these worship experiences. Of course, all of those things are an added benefit, again, a gift of grace. And when all of those things work together and they have the same mission, the same why, to glorify God through everything that they do, we enhance our worship and our bond as the community of faith. Because the whole reason we come, virtually or in person, is to glorify our Creator. So in closing, I'll ask you again, what does worship mean to you? And why is worship important? I invite you to prayerfully consider those questions this week and over the next three weeks as we're trying to get to the heart of worship. What does it mean to worship God here? How can we glorify God? And are there things we do need to strip away and to keep away so that our worship can be true and authentic? And if you feel so bold, we invite you to reach out to Sterling or I. We are so curious to hear from you about how worship could be more meaningful and how you could be led to a deeper relationship with God through the worship here at Ashland Place. Our prayer is that each week as we come here, we will grow closer in our spiritual walk and in our relationship with God. So by God's grace, we will all learn to worship in spirit and in truth. May it be so. Amen.